Hello everyone and thank you so much for tuning in to All About Fertility podcast. I hope you're all keeping safe. I'm Ella and today I am speaking to a leader in her field, Tasha Jennings, who is a naturopath, an author and the founder and director of a preconception supplement called, now I'm going to get this wrong, Zycea. Zycea means life. life. Yes, and I just love the name. Um, So, Tasha, thank you so much for joining me this evening. I know it's late and I do appreciate your time. So, if you could just tell um, everybody a bit about yourself and your journey. Oh, thanks very much for having me, Ellerin, for that introduction. Oh, as I said, I'm a naturopath and nutritionist, have been for almost 20 years now. Mm-hmm. But it was my own fertility journey that, um, or difficulty conceiving that switched me to focusing on fertility and now that is all I see. I work closely with um, leading IVF clinics and get a lot of referrals from specialists. Mm-hmm. So I work just in the fertility space. Uh, I think my own journey um, instilled me with such a huge empathy for people who are struggling to have children um, and who I guess weren't able to have access to I guess the type of information that I was lucky enough to have I was a naturopath my husband's a doctor within 80 months we could we were pregnant Um, but for everyone that's not so easy Uh, Mm. so I yeah, really want to help people in that space. So I basically help proactive women and couples uh, improve their fertility well-being to create healthy pregnancies and and healthy babies. Fantastic. So, and you have two kids now, right? I do. I have an eight-year-old uh, and a five-year-old. So oh, he's just fantastic. turned eight, actually, eight baby. Oh, yeah. So, and lovely. it was trying to conceive him that um, everything changed in my career I guess and I developed Zycea yeah which is um, a company which provides the prenatal supplements Zycea natal nutrients because mm-hmm. I wanted something in there for for my baby and to, to help me uh, fall pregnant and yeah and conceive baby in my and my book The Fertility Diet. Yeah so talking about your journey what was the catalyst to creating Zycea? I guess the, it was speaking with a lot of researchers. I, I don't do things by halves. So I think mm. we share that probably. Um, yeah. And so I really threw myself into doing everything I could to to help me conceive. And so I started delving through research papers and then I went mm. further than that and I, I contacted the researchers who were doing the wow. research. And it was really actually interesting. I, I contacted people from Italy and New York and a lot of these researchers actually replied and some of them I've actually interviewed on my podcast now because I, they were actually so grateful that someone was interested in their research. I asked them why they were using certain nutrients, why they were using particular doses. I just really wanted to know the whys of, of the, the, new, the prenatal supplements that I could see on the market just weren't up to the what I wanted to have for my future child, I guess. So, Yeah, that's when I have a background in product development. I used to work as a naturopath and developed a weight loss program and a home brand vitamin range for a big pharmacy company. Um, So I travelled a lot um, all over the country training and educating and developing the the range. Um, And, yeah, when we were having trouble conceiving, that was just, I just thought, this is too much. I'm travelling too much. I'm doing too much. And so I switched my attention to... Something I had already done is yeah, creating a product and um, ended up with um, Zycea natal nutrients. As you said, there are a few pre-pregnancy supplements out there. What differentiates Zycea to the other supplements? 
It's Australian-made and owned, obviously. Um, and there's two forms of folate, which I like to always, I always get my patients looking at food sources, obviously are really important. Mm-hmm. And a lot of supplements will just provide folic acid. Yeah. I like to provide folinic acid, which is the active form of folic acid because 50% of people or around about 50% of the population struggle to metabolize folic acid into natural folate. Mm. And that's what's so important is getting folate into our bloodstream and into our cells. More importantly, I always check that with my one-on-one patients. Yeah, If I see high folate levels, I'm not always often, you know, the GP will go, oh, tick, great, high folate levels. For me, I'm like, okay, why is it high in the bloodstream? Is it not getting to your cells? So I will often check their homocysteine because that's something that's further down the pathway to see if it's actually being metabolized and absorbed. So it's not just about these tablets or these nutrients getting into your bloodstream. It's about them being metabolized and utilized and absorbed. So taking folate in food sources, absolutely paramount, always getting leafy greens and things like that. And then I recommend folic acid plus folinic acid. So you're basically feeding that folate chain from three different avenues to maximize your folate uptake because we can't sustain a pregnancy without folate. It is critical to DNA development. So really important. And the other thing is choline that really wasn't available in any prenatal supplements uh, within Australia. Super important for your urban brain. Now explain that to me because I thought that was we naturally had that in our system, in our bodies. It is, Um, and that's yeah, there is we do produce choline. So people thought, okay, well, it's not considered an essential nutrient, we don't need it. And actually, that's why we've really only rediscovered the benefits of choline. And what we now realize is our body does produce a small amount of choline within our gut. It just produces enough because we cannot live without it. So it produces enough just to keep us alive. But when we're talking about creating a new life, and I don't know about you, I don't want to just survive, I want to thrive. So we actually need more choline than our body creates. Right. So we now have an adequate intake and this adequate intake, why a lot of people haven't heard of choline is all of the other nutrients were classified in the 1940s, you know, your vitamin Bs and As and things like that. But choline was only really discovered in 1997, which is like relatively, you know, I don't know about you, but the 40s are way off, but 97, that I, I was there. <laughs> so relatively new so now we realize it's really important and unfortunately about 90 percent of people aren't reaching what we now know is the adequate intake right. in our diet that's fantastic. yeah so really important and the ama in america american, american medical association have actually made recommendations last year that choline should be included in all prenatal multivitamins <laughs> really that's so interesting okay because i've checked um, a few of the mainstream supplements, and they actually don't have choline in them. So I guess Australia's got a bit of catching up to do. Yes, it's it's actually, the, it is gaining more notoriety, especially, I guess, amongst naturopaths and even amongst the specialists that I now work with. It's becoming more of an awareness, but there is still, it's still lacking. My husband's a medical doctor, and I think he did six weeks of nutrition in a 16-year degree, so <laughs> not a great deal of understanding of the, the nutritional side of it. I'm going to tell you the truth. I've never really engaged with 
the natural path, not until I started my own journey and um, started all about Fertility Expo. Can you explain just a bit about what you do and what your role is in someone's fertility journey? Yes, I think there is. A lot of people don't, haven't seen a naturopath before. Um, and I think there is a mm. perception or there was a perception that you either go natural or you go IVF. You know, you either go with a medical specialist or you see a naturopath. And I work closely with clinics because I don't believe that to be the case. I think we can really have a role to play together. As I see it, IVF clinics do, and fertility specialists, they do amazing things with the egg and the sperm once they have them. They create them in the, in the dishes. They make beautiful embryos, but they can't improve egg and sperm quality. So they get what they're given and the clinic said if the egg and the sperm aren't going to be viable, if they're not going to be able to go on to create a pregnancy, there is nothing the clinic can do. So I get a lot of referrals from the clinics for that reason because they're seeing poor egg quality come through or they're seeing poor sperm quality on either side. And I can help with diet, lifestyle, nutritionals, herbals, um, really quite specific depending on the, the situation um, and particularly work with diet makes a massive difference over the 90 days. And I think that's a critical thing for people to realise is you're not just nourishing your future baby when you fall pregnant. You're actually nourishing your future baby 90 days before you conceive because that is when that tiny egg that is going to be released ovulation, it starts its journey 90 days before you conceive. Because as women, we have all the eggs we were ever going to have way back in our mother's pregnancy. That's what we were born with. But they're born as right. immature follicles. So they start that maturation process 90 days before ovulation. And it's during those 90 days that most of the chromosomal changes which determine whether the egg is going to be a viable egg, it is going to be able to be able to create a baby, they occur, most of them, in those 90 days. So yeah. if we can optimize that in diet environment through specific diet and lifestyle choices, um, optimal nutrition, we can get a healthier egg. And I've seen it in the clinics. You know, we three months later, we can see yeah. the difference when that embryo, embryo just puts the embryo up on the screen. We can see the healthier cell, which is just so heartening for me. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Nourishing your body so you're in the best shape can only be a positive thing. The more work you put into your health, you'll start seeing the results. Absolutely. And it's, it is all about conceiving, obviously, but it's also not just about conceiving. This, I feel, is such an opportunity to optimise the DNA you pass on to your future child. So we're talking disease predispositions. The long-term health of your future child can be optimised in those 90 days. Once you've conceived, the DNA is somewhat set in stone. Obviously, we nourish it and nurture it, all that sort of thing, but the DNA itself is, is set. But Prior to that, you can actually optimise that DNA. You can make it healthier, give it the best chance possible. And this is males and females, but we're particularly focusing on that egg quality. And age plays a big role. And I know I get a lot of questions around age and fertility, but I've seen 40-year-olds with healthier eggs than 26-year-olds. There's still a lot you can do. I've just got a 42-year-old. She just sent me an email just before we logged on. We have a pregnancy there, which is awesome. So it's not just about the age. Age plays a big role, but those 90 days, you can really optimise those 90 days to, to boost your chances at any age, really. 
Okay, so we've spoken about optimizing health if mm. you're trying to conceive naturally or via IVF. But what if you're, um, what if someone has underlying issues such as PCOS or endometriosis? How do you help achieve their pregnancy goals? Look, I do see a lot of people with those conditions um, because they do influence fertility, obviously. There is a lot we can do. Uh, which is really good news because I think, uh, like I obviously work with a lot of specialists, but there is very little that they have available to them to help those conditions. It's usually the pill. Uh, so, yeah, and unfortunately, look, the pill just puts a lid on everything, which is great um, for that time. But then often when you take that lid off and we have, you know, a 30-year-old who has been on the pill for 15 years, and then we take that lid off and she wants to fall pregnant, that can be when everything goes a bit haywire and low symptoms return. So, Yeah, because the pill just masks it, right? It doesn't yes. actually cure it. It's not even a real period taking the pill. It's, mm. it's, 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 it's pretend hormones in your body and they have their place. Um, yeah. But, yeah, when we're looking to conceive, the less time someone has been on the pill generally, the more helpful it is to their natural cycle. Uh, and particularly someone with PCOS, we want to get her ovulating is the biggest thing because it's usually mm -hmm. either lack of ovulation completely or very sporadic ovulation. And look, there is a narrow window to conceive each month. There's a 24-hour window when that egg is viable. So if there's yeah. not sperm within that 24-hour window, you've missed another whole month. And if you don't know when that's going to occur or if it's going to occur, that can be quite difficult. So regulating her hormones is really important. Also work mm. a lot with diet because weight can be an issue and you losing know. weight is really difficult when you have PSOS if you don't have someone to help you support that insulin resistance and that underlying hormonal issue that is driving the weight gain. So we really need to, it's not, you know, it will say it's not your fault if you're overweight in PCOS and you yeah. can't lose weight. You need support with that. It's hard to just reduce what you're eating. It's, so it really needs support with the underlying factors of reducing weight. So reducing weight, mm -hmm. avoiding um, toxins and chemicals is really important in general, but particularly with women with PCOS because mm -hmm. BPAs and phthalates that are in fragrances they're endocrine disrupting chemicals or EDCs. So particularly in PCOS, they can play havoc with hormones. So we want to be really minimising exposure to any of those toxins. I usually work with some herbs and nutrients to support hormone balance, but look, great success with PCOS. Similar with endometriosis, so it's re really reducing the inflammation is my main aim with endometriosis and, and preventing the regrowth. So I work with a lot of specialists who would do a laparoscopy, then I see them afterwards so that we can get them really prepped and ready, prevent that coming back and then send them off for a, usually uh, back for a transfer or in a lot of cases I get them pregnant before they get back to the clinic, which is oh, a lovely fantastic. side effect. Um, but, yeah, endometriosis, reducing the inflammation, the pain um, of endometriosis, working a lot with, with specific dietary measures uh, for them. Mm -hmm. Um, reducing histamine creating foods amine foods um, is important for that um, group anti-inflammatory herbs can be important as well and nutritionals uh, but you're yeah, just getting the bleed under control getting the pain and inflammation under control because that's not conducive 
to a pregnancy and also there can be blockages and things like that. So I will often work with specialists when it comes to endo just because I want to see where the endo is. If there's blockages, I I need to know where the blockages are. Mm. We've been able to reduce blockages, even open tubes. I had one patient go back and as she said, I've got a blocked tube. And when they went back, they're like, really? It's, It's not blocked. So oh, that fantastic. was fantastic. So she was able to try. We're still, I'm still working with her to try naturally, which was really exciting news for her. So not always um, with patients with endometriosis, they need to go under the knife. Not always. No, no. It depends on the severity. I like to work with specialists. And unfortunately with endo, the severity of the pain doesn't necessarily correlate with the severity of the endo in all mm. cases. It doesn't be turned to where it is, which is it's causing the pain. So some yeah. people with severe pain and symptoms actually don't have many blockages or, you know, particular issues with it causing problems for their fertility but yet some people with mild symptoms you know they'll get laparoscopy and there'll be lots of endo in there so yeah I like to work with specialists just so we can see what's going on but it's not always necessary to to have treatment for that. Um, Now I have been reading and hearing a lot about a connection with gut health and miscarriage are you able to talk about that? But gut health, I agree, is related to a lot of things, to be honest. Um, and it's interesting that it's, it's getting a resurgence now. And this was really when I was studying, you know, over 20 years ago now and, mm. and studying the really old texts. And I'm, I have to say I'm a bit of a study nerd and I love the <laughs> research and I love going back into medical texts. I know a lot about Hippocrates and all those sort of the medicines and the way they, way back then, um, even the father of medicine, it's really interesting to see now that he actually, Hippocrates, went away from the current stream of medicine that he saw, which was very systematic approach. It was very this system and we look at this symptoms and we look at this system. He actually yeah. withdrew from that and he created a new model of medicine based on the whole human being as a whole complete system and everything interacting. And so I feel in some ways I want to take him as our modern medicine as a naturopath because he really, yeah. really fell into place with what we're trying to achieve. And he, mm. a lot of the old medicine did focus on the gut. The gut, when you think about it, is where we all our nutrition comes from. It Mm -hmm. is our first line of defense. So 70% of our immune system is in our gut because it is incredible, actually. I find it quite fascinating, the gut, because it's it's able to actually, okay, what is going to be food? What what can I absorb, break down? What nutrients can I metabolize from this? What is not good for me? What do I need to pass out and process as waste? There is so much going on in our gut that it can affect our whole body. And I find it particularly I will focus on the gut where there's any autoimmune issue and that can correlate with miscarriage um, with autoimmune and just the immune system overreacting uh, to foreign DNA in the body. So I'm basically calming down the digestive system. So it might seem funny, but I ask all of my patients about bowels, digestion, bloating, heartburn, any sort of symptoms Mm -hmm. around those sorts of things I want to know about because I want to see a really calmed down digestive system, a really healthy digestive system to calm the immune system, also inflammation. 
inflammation is not good for fertility in general. So calming down the inflammation, absorption of nutrients. You know, are they getting the nutrients absorbed from their bloodstream or is there undigested uh, food still in their stool that is actually not being metabolized and broken down? So, mm. yes, the gut plays a big role in a lot of things and, um, yes, to miscarriage and infertility as well. Funny you should mention that actually because I've been reading on how we ingest supplements and I'm iron deficient and I can't seem to retain iron. So I take iron supplements. Um, some are great, some not so much because it does leave me constipated. So does that mean I'm not actually absorbing it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, in my first book, The Vitamins Guide, I wrote a lot about that Um I'm really passionate again. I guess that's why I worked in product development and created my own range. I'm really passionate about not just the vitamin being in the tablet, but actually getting to the bloodstream where it needs to be. And for example, there's you know about five different forms of iron. There's five different forms of magnesium, some which are going to be really well absorbed, others which are probably relatively cheap and look good on a bottle, but are actually not being absorbed. And if your iron is turning your sword stool black and constipating you, that's not in your bloodstream. That's not being used by your body. That's still sitting mm. in your gut. That's not where we want it to be for anyone. Yes. A lot of the time, so iron, I don't believe should cause constipation. It's generally the form of iron yeah. and the dose. Generally, we're taking a far too high a dose. Even if you have low levels of iron, taking a big whack of a heavy metal all at once is not going to be well absorbed into your system. I recommend divided doses over the day if you do need to boost uh, long-term supplementation. But getting it in a well-absorbed form is the most important thing. So I recommend to look for an iron amino acid chelate, which means the iron's already broken down into a form that the body can recognize and absorb. You'll often find ferrous fumarate or ferrous sulfate is the harshest form. They're the little tablets you'll find in the pharmacy with the childproof caps on them. They pretty much constipate most people. They're a big whack of a very inorganic um, heavy metal. <laughs> It mm. seems like you work with such a range of people. Do you work with individuals, couples? Uh, as you said, a big range of people. Obviously, I only work in fertility. I only specialise in fertility, but that can mean a lot of things. I have a, a beautiful 40-year-old who, her one-year-old, just turned one um, now, and she did it on her own. So she had a sperm donor. I worked with a lesbian couple who they had a sperm donor as well. I work with couples, um, obviously. I uh, love to look at both sides if I can as well. But I've worked across the board in a lot of different uh, pathways to fertility. Uh, obviously work with IVF clinics but also help people conceive naturally um, and then whether it's IUIs or Clomid. And anyone who's wanting to have babies, I'm particularly passionate about that. I guess my my journey really yeah, instill me with that empathy for people who are struggling. I absolutely credit people if, who make the decision not to have children. That's an you know, absolute credible decision. I really applaud people for making that for themselves. But if that decision is taken away from you, to me that's heartbreaking. I, I've, I feel it's such a, a huge decision to make. It's such a momentous thing to bring a child into this world. And if that's something you've always wanted, then... Uh, it's just such a, a big life-changing thing not to be able to achieve. So I just am passionate about helping anyone I can to to achieve that goal of, of help 
creating their family. Oh, that's fantastic. So so when you see a patient, how long will they see you for? Look, I, I like to see people over a three-month period, which is, um, and I do run a Fertility for You program okay. where I see people weekly because a lot of these things that I'm wanting to help them with are more difficult than just take this pill twice a day. Mm-hmm. So we, I see them over Zoom and we meet uh, weekly. So that's a three-month program and obviously the three months is that 90-day development cycle of the egg so that we really optimise that chance that I either send them back to the clinics, often or they'll get them referred out for that, and then we send them back to the IVF clinic. As I said, sometimes I feel a bit guilty because they refer them to me and I don't send them back because <laughs> they do get pregnant. Um, otherwise, I do have an initial consultation, which some people just, I guess, need a, a lesser uh, help. And the initial consultation is always two consultations. That's because I ask lots and lots and lots of questions. My first consultation goes for about an hour and is just me asking questions. I go right back to their mother's pregnancy because that's when their eggs were created. I found, okay, was your mother a smoker? Were there any complications in her pregnancy? I look right back there and then we work forward. Okay, breastfed, bottle fed, did you have a Caesar birth? What was childhood like? Any illnesses, allergies? I go right through their life, right back up until now. And that gives me a really good perspective. So then that's my first consultation. Then I meet with them the following week because then I go away with all that information and I compare it to often the book of blood tests that I've been sent. Um, But I like to review blood tests in relation to the person. You're not a sum of your blood tests. I relate it back to that individual journey and who they are. So I look at all of that information combined and then the following week, I meet them for a half-hour session where I present their fertility care plan, which is all my recommendations based on my questioning and based on their blood test in regards to supplements, diet, lifestyle and those types of things. Yeah. Oh, okay. So what additional blood tests are you requesting? Look, there's a lot of the time... Even if I'm sent a book, there's more that I like to see. I do like to see blood tests. I think that is a is a really big marker. I do like to always preface it by symptoms and that, that person, but I like to see as a baseline for all of my patients, I like to see vitamin D and I like to see vitamin D levels around 100, not just above 50, which is the cutoff. I like to see nice, healthy vitamin D levels. Always look at folate, but I always, always preface it with ch- checking homocysteine as well. I like to see folate within range, but I also like to see homocysteine around about a seven probably. Um, If I see it higher than that, I'm concerned about their folate uptake and we'll look look into that a bit further. And sometimes I might request a test for MTHFR or something, but I find the homocysteine and folate a good base to, to start with. So always check those. Check vitamin B12. And they're probably the baseline of ones that I will like to see for a general patient there's a lot more we can dig into and because I see unexplained fertility I often do dig a bit deeper depending on what's come up in their history Um, I had a patient recently she's she had trouble with her second um, and so we looked into because she'd had a Caesar and a few complications of that So we looked into some mycoplasma, urea plasma, just some common infections that can play a role in fertility and that came up for her. So I look into those if if there has been anything that sort of crops up in that respect. So it can depend on the person. But as a general baseline, obviously all the, I like to check STDs, any sort of 
um, infection, we need to clear that up. Also, yeah. gen general infection screen and then vitamin D, folate, iron studies I like to see, not just the ferritin, so the complete iron studies to see what that's doing. And vitamin mm -hmm. B12 and homocysteine would be a baseline. Yeah. Fantastic. That sounds very thorough. Mm. I think you need um, to be when it comes to fertility. It's too important, too precious, these babies we're creating. Yeah, no, I completely agree. You know, I, I um, it's like the analogy, isn't it? You're not the, the, the perfect job that you want. You would spend time and care to, you know, educate yourself and really look into it and choose the right, you know, uh, position for yourself and the right company. And, yeah, it's the same thing with creating a baby, right? It is. You wouldn't take that just a chance. <laughs> and yet we, there is, I think, this perception that, you know, you can conceive easily. I know that's what I was thrown and that's what I was yeah. fed because I'd been told my whole life, be careful, you know, you can get pregnant. Um, mm. And so you assume that when you want to get pregnant, it, it'll come easily. And so there isn't a focus on preconception care. And as I often use the similar analogy, we spend months and, you know, weeks decorating the nursery, painting in the walls. But the most important nursery that your baby will ever have is the one inside you. That's the yeah, one we so need true. to prepare. That's the one we need to make sure the lining and the walls are really nourishing. That's the one that needs the more care and attention than the one mm. your baby won't remember what colour the nursery walls were. <laughs> so true. So what are the two things that you would suggest to someone starting their fertility journey? I would always recommend to get a baseline of blood tests. Um, mm -hmm. Find a good GP who will help you out because there are, I know I personally went to, when I was having issues, I went to a GP and said, look, I just want to get a baseline of these. And they said, oh, if you're not getting any symptoms, you don't need any tests. Mm -hmm. Yes and no. So I, I found someone else. I do like to see it because sometimes you don't get symptoms. If your folate mm -hmm. levels are out of whack, if you're B12, you don't necessarily get symptoms. And sometimes if you've been low in these nutrients your whole life, you just, this, this is you. You don't know this is low energy. This is just you. So always get vitamin D, B12, folate um, and homocysteine and, and iron, I think I mentioned there. So I'd always get a baseline of those four, see what they come back with. And again, I see myself or an, or an atropath who specialises in this area who can look at them with a keener eye because, as I said, I don't always look at reference ranges I like to see my ideal not just mm. yeah you're not deficient okay but are you thriving so I like to look at the blood test myself and see okay they're mm. really healthy uh, levels and so that would be the best first place to start and a good prenatal I think you really can't go past taking a good prenatal I'm massive on food sources I think we definitely need and I'm creating a program at the moment called your fertile pantry because I'm so passionate oh about right. creating a healthy diet and there's so many fundamentals that I think so many women I speak to come to me taking lots of supplements, lots of expensive ones. There's CoQ10, there's acetylcarnitine, they're on the poic acid, mm. all really expensive things that make you feel good because you're spending a lot of money and taking these things and they are great for fertility. I'm not underplaying that. But mm. you need the fundamentals right. If you don't have the diet right, if you don't have the gut right, if you don't have the fundamentals sorted, you're decorating that house without any concrete. <laughs> you need to get yeah. those foundations solid. You need a solid foundation. So, yeah, my Your Fertile Pantry program will be, be coming soon and we'll cover all of those things. But a good prenatal is I see it like an insurance policy. 
because diet is not going to be perfect every day. I'm not perfect every day. Mm. And nutrients like folate, it's water-soluble. We need it every single day. Iron, we store in our body. Vitamin D, we store in our body. Folate, we lose it every day. So we need to be replenishing it every day. Are we getting enough every day? Maybe, maybe not. So I, the, maybe the not. Mm. prenatal provides a baseline on top of which you can add all the lovely rich dietary sources. Uh, that's really exciting. I'm always on the lookout for good, healthy food that nourishes my body. I'm such a foodie. The Mediterranean diet, which is um, something that I love, as it has lots of greens, pulses, and it's fresh and with raw produce yeah. that gives you a really Certainly nice, healthy, is. balanced diet. Yeah, all those good essential fats and all those things are really important for fertility. I think a lot of the diets that I see people on, even had a patient recently who's yeah, just sent me her baby photos actually, um, but who was eating so healthy because she wanted to prepare her body for pregnancy and she was doing everything right in her book, but she was lacking in fats. And although she was eating really healthy, a lot of veggies and things like that, lacking essential fatty acids. And look, I did a few other things with her, but that was probably the fundamental change. And she was 42 and we were able to create a pregnancy because we replenished what was lacking. So it's not just about what you think is healthy. It's not just about the latest fat or paleo or Mediterranean is a, is a great general. It's, I don't they see it as a fad. It's just about whole foods, good quality getting from the source i know in italy you know they have olive trees growing in their backyard they're really fresh produce getting those good oils into your system is yeah what we want to be doing so i'll this program will go through all that and i guess make it a bit easier with menu plans and recipes and things like that because i'm a foodie as well i love all of that excellent i can't wait for it so knowing what you what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? What advice would I give my 20-year-old self is definitely don't sweat the small stuff so much. I was such a stress head, I think. <laughs> <laughs> is that with everything? With what? Just a perfectionist, I think, and such. So, right. I mean, they're still driven in a way, but I think we need to balance that and look after. I certainly wasn't mm. looking after my body the way I was learning about it. I loved the idea of it. I loved helping people with their bodies, but I just sort of whipped mine around and just pushed it and you know, studied late at night and I yeah. travelled all over for work and just I think don't sweat the small stuff and I think that's a really important thing, especially in this current climate, I guess, for anyone and, especially, and when you're going through infertility is always step back, look at the big picture, take a pause. I know we talk a lot about gratitude, but it's just really about being mindful of, of all the good stuff we have in our life and appreciating that and not getting so focused on the small details. So true, absolutely true. Mm. And, you know, that is great advice because I think I would tell my 20-year-old self that too. <laughs> Crikey, Tash, is so late. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and for sharing your knowledge and experience. I'm so excited about your work and the initiatives that you've put in place to help others. Once COVID is lifted and we're 
can see a bit of normality and we see indoor events back on the schedule, I can't wait for you to come on board All About Fertility Expo and share even more. I'm so looking forward to it. I love what you're doing and it's not a problem at all. I see a lot of patients by Zoom late at night. I was just finishing up before we jumped on. So um, anything I can do to help to share yeah. the message. And on that note, I do have a, a free download I should mention for people if they are wanting something they can do. Excellent. Um, slash checklist. You'll get just a, a free Your Fertile Pantry checklist, which just has some simple swaps and a couple of yummy recipes in there Excellent. that you can start getting your fertile pantry and, and boosting your fertility well-being today excellent and um, i'll put the link and um, all the your information um at the end of the podcast excellent info excellent well thank you so much enjoy the rest of your week and i'll speak to you soon thanks for having me ella bye thank you.